Hey everybody, thanks for joining us. This week I have uh, Eric Martin from the This American Wife podcast on. Uh, it was a whole hell of a lot of fun because we got to talk about Weird Al again, specifically UHF and other stuff, which is what the name of the uh, soundtrack album is. Um, one quick note. There are some audio issues in this episode, and uh, Eric's rich mahogany voice is uh, not done justice by what happened to the mixer. Uh, I can only be blamed. Uh, I'd prefer to blame gremlins, but I can't think of uh, what those might be. So either way, it's a good episode, so enjoy it. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us. This week, we have Eric Martin from the This American Wife podcast. It's true. Hi, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, it's Jason. Great having you. Um, you wanted to talk about the UHF soundtrack. Yeah, they're really. I, I thought about it for maybe five seconds, and then, well, I looked at I looked at uh, all the, the all the the. This is a great. First of all, great idea for a show. Thank you. Like Thank you. Old, uh, you know, the, the, like classic comedy roots. People get to think about you know what's important to them, what they mm -hmm. grew up listening to, what they burned you know grooves into grooves of these records, like right. just wearing them out. Um, and for me, like the works of uh, Mr. Mr. Yankovic were, uh, you know, instrumental, were seminal to my own co comedic development. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I saw, like, 3D was the first one. Of course, that was your very first episode. Makes sense. Um, but UHF um, is, a, is a very important work. It's a transitory work, and it hadn't been explored yet. So I'm, I'm surprised nobody's brought it up, actually. I mean, yeah. we've talked about it on other episodes, but I'm surprised nobody's wanted to do it. So it's yeah. good. And it's not a movie that I, like, the first stuff I was exposed to, like I said, was probably 3D. But this, this one I learned about way too late like way late down the line did you see the movie in theaters yeah i was one of the few who saw it in oh. like waiting ready to oh, go that's so good <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> you know, so but how so then how far back did your fandom of weird al go then well it started with um i mean it started with with eat it of course mm -hmm. like that was you know because mtv was um was big so that was 84 mtv came out in 81 yeah. i came out in 77 so um that came out at like very formative years you know i remember like occasionally like um, you know, my uh, I'd be able to like stay up late and watch MTV if my parents were having a couple of drinks and be like, "Hey, want to check out these music videos? There's Hollow Notes uh, and some you know half naked people running around. Like, <laughs> enjoy." Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I knew the music video format, but then seeing um, you know Weird Al and seeing that basically seeing you know the the uh, what was it the Beat It video and yeah. then seeing that in fact there was somebody else who was doing all the same things, but instead of beating, he was um, consuming food. <laughs> <laughs> shocking right right did you um did you end up let's see so did, have you seen him I, you have to have seen him live i assume i have but only recently only in like the last decade or so me too yeah yeah um but i, I love going to see him at the uh, the orange county fair like oh, that that's that right. is he does that every my time. preferred venue to see him at yeah that's just a good time because then you can have well the nice thing about that is that you get admission to the fair with your tickets. So you pay twenty dollars, you go see Weird Al. Mm -hmm. But prior to that, you're you know riding the something that whips you around at high speeds. Sure, you're indulging in the latest innovation in deep fried things right so like two years ago i remember like you know they had deep fried bacon and chocolate covered bacon and all those uh -huh. blah 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 those are so old hat sure uh two years ago is the last time i went and they had deep fried kool-aid um where i don't have you tried this <laughs> no. yeah so it, it's not what How you does think this happen what they do is they take a puffed ball of deep fried the donut type material okay they they soak it they marinate it in like cherry kool-aid so you 
you bite into it and it's just sopping with Kool-Aid. But the outside is also dusted with Kool-Aid powder. And it's surprisingly, it's it's disappointingly pretty good. Yeah. Like it shouldn't be any good, but it's it's kind of not bad. So it's frightening. It's too bad. So you get all this sort of uber American experience and then you get to go to somebody like Weird Al who I think it's probably underappreciated for his satire of, of, of American culture. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's nice to tie it together, yeah. Yeah, that's... A, oh, man. Yeah, see, I've never gotten to see him at a, at a fair. Um, I Yeah, I would kill to see that. And I also don't get to see... He does so many live shows around here, but I also have never... You know, I've only met him once or twice, but, you know, I've never gotten to see him do... like Because he does Largo and stuff every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, except to say that let's move on to the... the do you have a favorite track off, off of this? I do, actually. And, and I think the reason why it was so easy for me to land on this album is because my probably my favorite and it's a it's probably a weird one to have but my favorite weird al song of all time is mm. on this album and it closes the album uh-huh. it is the biggest ball of twine in minnesota I, it's my favorite song on the album it's brilliant yeah it's brilliant and i did not know that what what it was specifically a style parody of i just looked it up a harry chapin song i wouldn't have any idea it was too young for harry oh, chapin okay. at the time didn't know but yeah it's it's it's, it's hilarious and again kind of satire of american culture which He's underappreciated for what? Uh, so why why do you love it so much then? Uh, it I, what I like about it is that what first drew me to it is that um, the the breaths that he must take are just huge. Like he just gets so much information out in a single breath. Mm-hmm. Just this you know incredibly just never ending stream of consciousness about. But what I love about it is is that on a technical end, mm-hmm. but it's also a story song. Yeah. He tells, you know, in many ways, the great American story of uh, the spirit of adventure, of yearning, of seeking. Um, and uh, it's ridiculous, you yeah. know, yeah. that he's going to find the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. Uh, you know, that's like, you know, people would get in their cars and they would go see these things. Like, it's not, I don't even know if it's a parody because I think a lot of people would just actually do that. Sure. They just, yeah. like, let's just go see that statue of a dinosaur that's 300 miles away. Right, right. It's worth a look. Mm hmm. Take the kids. <laughs> did you, uh, did you buy this album, like, right off? Or did you, or was it just you were obsessed with the movie? No, uh, I. I think I don't remember the order. I, I definitely saw the movie, and I don't remember if the album came out before or after. Mm. But it was definitely a day of purchase. Okay. And I wonder if it was like prior, if it was like to like goose interest for the music. Because certainly, like, I don't know if you ever did this, but mm. like early '90s, late '80s, I would oftentimes get novelizations of movies. Sure, sure. And they would usually come out a few weeks before the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you would just know everything there was to know about the movie, except for the parts where you go, oh, wait, they cut that part out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then expanded way too much. Yeah. They, uh, one of my, I, I hate to admit this, one of my favorite movies as a kid was Grease too. And then if you read the novelization of it, the person who wrote the novelization was a pervert. Was it just an out and out pervert? He got into the subtext, quote unquote, of some of these teachers' minds, and it was just creepy. Yeah, it was creepy the things. So, so you you, you should have you, that guy on the show. You really should, and then probe, <laughs> and then possibly bring the police. Did you? Did you wait? So you did you have the novelization then? First off, no, I don't. No, was there one? I don't this? know if there. Actually, I'd be curious. I, I, I would love to see that. I don't know if there was a novelization of this. If but you're not, just saying like there's something to. 
the, the album might have come out in the same way that yeah, the yeah I feel like it didn't come out day and date with the movie it either came, and, and the interesting thing about the the album is that I think the the prior one was maybe Poker Party in '86 mm-hmm. like it had been a few oh no no it was even worse in '88 but there oh, right. but there were still songs on that album that were parodies of things that came out like five years prior uh-huh. and so I I feel like maybe that movie was like shot a, a couple years. First of all, the movie did not do well. It came right. out in '89, mm-hmm. the summer of Batman. Yes, uh, yes. you know other uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Right. Um, but all summer long, like even with that, even like seeing like Michael Keaton as Batman and mm-hmm. Indiana Jones, I was like, when is UHF coming yeah. out? And then of course when it did, and I was you know rooting for it, uh, being a big fan of his. But I remember the movie debuted at like number eleven. It didn't do that well, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, but I did manage to catch it in the theater. Oh, I was in, I was living in California, but we were visiting because I'm from Chicago. So we went okay. back. And so it was like, went back to like my childhood neighborhood theater and actually saw it there. Oh, that's good. Uh, so it felt, it felt like home. I, that, that's one of those things too about Weird Al where I feel like some people do grow out of it because they feel like they shouldn't be a fan of Weird Al anymore but is it I'm I'm finding it's much more freeing to ad, to admit my love of Weird Al did you ever have a moment where you where you questioned your love of, of any comedy that you grew up with as a kid no no I always embraced it that's good yeah okay. and and I knew that whatever people thought of me mm-hmm. they would either get over it or not it was not up for to sure. me for it was sure. not up to me it was up to them mm-hmm. they had to they had to figure it out what what gives weird al somebody who is, who could have been a novelty and I've, i ask everybody this on the podcast mm-hmm. but uh somebody who could have been just regarded as a novelty uh, artist reserved to a footnote what what's making him stick around to you what do you think makes him still relevant right like what gives him staying power yeah, yeah. it's a great question it must be something intangible sure but it must be a je ne sais quoi. Mm-hmm. No, but I, I think, like, really, what it what it is for me, and the reason why I keep coming back to him, mm-hmm. is, I mean, he's really good, and his band is sure. is is ace. Yes. Um, what he does still, there's still a need for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe in a very basic sense, like, there's always going to be popular music, mm-hmm. and there always needs to be somebody to make fun of that. But as to why it's him, yeah. he sings, he actually has a great voice, he does, yeah. and he can do any style, mm-hmm. and I think maybe that's part of it, and that he's so nice with everybody that he works with. Right. right. So it's probably that combination of things that allowed him to, and, and he seems really smart about it. Yeah. So I, I bet it's all of that. Yeah. What blows my mind, and again, I hate to reiterate stuff, but I like to talk with different people about this, is whenever I hear him interviewed, I don't know if you heard him on WTF when he was on WTF. I did, and recently too. Yeah. He he doesn't seem to have a dark bone in his body, even though he can write really dark songs. I guess Mm -hmm. maybe that's where it goes to. But 
every com- every comic that I that I know or that I listen to does seem to have that, and I don't know how you can stay as pure as he does and still make really good. I think really biting satire. Like if you mm-hmm. go back to um uh, um. The Beach Boys Gun Song. I can't right now. It's totally escaping me. The Beach Boys Gun Song. Yes. Oh my God. What is it? Uh, Kokomo. Trigger Happy. <laughs> yes. Kokomo. Yes. Trigger Happy, which is one of my favorite songs. It's okay. just totally uh, just just talking about it's somebody just it's an exaggerated view of of people who love their guns, mm-hmm. and it's brilliant and it's beautiful. And but I mean. Uh, this this is more of a very strict look at a lot of specific like movies and pop that kind of pop culture I suppose but yeah um, let me see I'm sorry I thought I was leading us down a path and I wasn't um, <laughs> uh, is there let's see so we get biggest ball of twine in Minnesota yeah what um, and that's an original too most people don't necessarily pick originals as their favorites you yeah. know there's actually the uh, well the interesting thing is that the parodies on this mm-hmm. are all they're all kind of weird and they come at a very weird place in in music Mm because you're starting to transition to rap sure like music is and here's the thing about me at this time Mm -hmm. so from like age 11 you know to 14 like right in there that is like when a lot of your your music your taste gets imprinted on you Mm mm-hmm and for a lot of this time, I was I was thinking back on this uh, over the last couple of days, pre- prepping for this or just thinking about it and realizing that, like, I was actually grounded for quite a bit of this time. And so I couldn't watch TV mm. and uh, <laughs> which actually kind of it, it steered me down a certain path. And I realized that the songs and the popular music that was on at the time, like, yeah. oh, I couldn't watch TV, but I could listen to the radio. Sure. So I knew every damn song on the okay. radio. Yeah. Uh, and so hearing him lampoon a wild thing mm-hmm. uh, with a Gilligan. Isle thing uh, was uh, you know I knew what he was talking about there mm-hmm. and uh, and it spoke to me and he could still manage to do it with a show that had been off the air for twenty years at that point exactly because it was it was in reruns yeah that's true yeah uh, um, did you so did you make friends over comedy at all uh, listening did you sit around and listen to albums as a kid I guess I had I guess I had some it was it was not easy and it was there was no there was no reliable way to like know if like now you have the internet and you can just find people with it but this you had to sort of like be bold and like or ask furtive questions about it or maybe somebody would drop a reference a a song line and then that person would be your friend because they also listened to that song but it was it was harder to um harder to find people i guess i had a couple of friends that um we're also fans, yeah. Mm-hmm. But mostly, it was a solitary pursuit at That's the time. Interesting. Was it was it you and the headphones and 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 a tape player or a record player? Yeah, absolutely. Started record, and then um, I think I want to say for UHF, I had it. This was right about the time that I was transitioning to uh, cassettes, sure, and cas singles. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, probably would have gotten. Um, uh, maybe not every rose has its thorn, but something to believe in by Poison nice. probably would have had that around this time. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it, yeah, I that does seem to be a common theme also with comedians. Would, would be during this grounded period when you're listening to a lot of comedy on your own. Were you creating stuff yet, or was that too early? No, I was absolutely. I was. I was. Um, I was writing stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember I would perform stand up. Uh, at PE, 
uh-huh. uh, like because I realized I, I sort of took advantage. I would always be scribbling in the margins. So like on my homework, I, w- I would always like write comic books, like serialized comic books. Yeah. And then in the five minutes before uh, you, between changing and uh, and uh, starting the, the PE class, like mm-hmm. that was a perfect time. You had an audience built in. They were waiting for things to do. Just And so I would write parody songs. I forgot about that shit. I would. And, uh, and yeah. And so there was a good uh, six months there where I would uh, just do a little stand-up slash song act. That's so good. Yeah. That's amazing. So then I I have to imagine that that sort of nature has stuck with you, given that this American Wife, which I should explain is a a wonderful podcast. It's a parody of NPR. Uh, But as you put it, it's it's a gentle parody. It's not, you know, it's not trying to rip anything apart. Yeah, it's in the Weird Al mold. Yeah. Yeah. So that's stuck with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Is it important to you to... I guess because, you know, you, you don't have to do a parody of this, but I, I'm surprised nobody had done it. What, why did you want to do it so badly? Why did you want to parody NPR? Why did you, what What about that format lent itself to your humor? Yeah, I guess, um, well, I, I always enjoyed the smart, uh, urbane kind of humor. Uh, I always enjoy parody. So I, I guess I had just, I, there, there was an opening because nobody else seemed to have really done sure. it on a, on a regular basis. Um, and it just, it just sort of happened that way. It was actually my, the, the way that This American Wife started was uh, my writing partner at the time, uh, we were coming up with some ideas, mm-hmm. um, trying a few different things. He came up with that title. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, well, let's just make it a, let's just roll, just run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so we, we started doing that. But, um, uh, I forget what we were talking about. We we're talking about uh, parody and yeah, just in general about how that and why you you know you continue to do it yourself, but you're not doing song parodies. You're doing a different type of parody, which I don't think anybody's doing right now. So I think yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, Weird Al. And here's the thing, because like Weird Al like truly informed like I just listened to a ton of him yeah. and I realized that for certain songs like initially it was some songs um, you know I would understand the songs that he was making fun of and then some songs I wound up just loving those songs before I heard and then hearing the actual song in some cases yeah. years later and going like oh I like that song right, right, right. because um, so it, it almost didn't matter mm-hmm. um, it, if I knew the song or not or the style that he was working in Um Interesting, but I uh, I love uh, yeah I like parody is just in my it's in my bones it's what I grew up with mm-hmm. it's what I always responded to. A lot of people and I don't agree with it would like I said treat parody as a novelty art which isn't fair. What I don't know maybe you don't have to do anything consciously but what are you doing to to make it work because again you're doing something you're beginning something fairly high minded like NPR pretty high minded and you're taking what some what some people don't necessarily respect properly which is parody and you're mixing the two seamlessly. I mean, is it as simple? I mean, how much of it is written? Is there anything that's written other than your basic interview questions because it's obviously a lot of just riffing and improv and straight up interviews. So, yeah. I've gotten to the point where I write Almost nothing. I, I may yeah. script out some of the intros. Right. I may. I, I. I. really. I try to improvise the the interviews as much as possible. Sure. There's a lot of editing that goes into the show, mm-hmm. um, so I take the best moments. Um, but I mean, an initial um, uh, influence on on that show was um, was Super Ego. Okay. And the work that they do and they put into that. So I actually sure. right before I started, I was like, "What is your What is your process? What do you guys do?" Mm-hmm. Um, and they were a huge help and influence in starting that show um it's important to edit uh in many cases i find um but um yeah for why did i do it um 
I, was that the I question? Hate, it basically was, and I hate that question. I'm sorry for it. I just, I am always. No, no, and I had something, and I, I realized I, I went away from it, but um, yeah. Uh, we can track back to it. Let's track back. Let's come back to it. I may remember. That's fine. <laughs> uh, are there other other tracks that stick out to you on this particular album that just you absolutely loved and played to death? Yes. Um, I mean the the generic blues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing, brilliant, yeah. yeah. And, and listening, and I listened to that again on the way, literally on the way over here, and it still cracks me up. It's still funny. Mm-hmm. Where he's getting the part. There's a the part in the the. First of all, it's like a killer, you know, blues track. For, like for sure, yeah. Like an actually, it's like minus the words, it is a it is a competent piece of blues playing. Mm-hmm. The band is great. Oh, yeah. Um, but the the part in the the middle of the bridge when he's breaking it down, he's getting the guitar, make it talk, son, make it talk, <laughs> and then it's wailing, and he's like, "All right, now just make it shut up." <laughs> Brilliant! It still works. Yeah, yeah. He and like it, it weirds me out to see him play um, straight music, which you see every once in a while, but it's it's just a testament to his competence that it's just that he can do anything he can play anything and also i'm going to bring up again the fact that he looks like it still looks like a child and it freaks me out that he's 50 something and looks so young yeah exactly i don't get that yeah, he looks so young and and, and flexible mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he just looks he can just move he's still crazy mm-hmm. yeah i hope to be that um limber and uh, and happy and weird when I'm that age. Seriously, <laughs> he, have you have you ever met him? He's, I have yeah. uh, once actually at um, at the Cine Family at the Silent Movie Theater, uh-huh. and um, they did a retrospective of his. Oh, it was uh, Scott Ackerman. They did a I think hosted it and did a comedy retrospective of his music videos. Oh, and God, I I, I sat in the couch across from him like just right next to him mm-hmm. and i really appreciated and enjoyed the experience of him watching his music videos from yeah. the 80s and like rediscovering them mm-hmm. uh that was kind of magical to see mm-hmm. um yeah and then afterwards i met him the nicest fellow does a kind of parody though that's very obviously specific like again you want to talk about his videos like those are brilliant recreations finding the same location sometimes you know getting I, I don't know if they're the same cinematographers but making films look exactly the same as they do and then making the song sound exactly the same like they're in um, Trapped in the Drive-Thru from his two albums back 
he there's a part where they turn on the radio to a Zeppelin song, and his whole band recreated a part of a Zeppelin song. That's right. Yeah, it sounds just dead on. But uh, I guess it's, it would be different for for doing a kind of, the kind of parody that you do again. That's going to be sort of stream of consciousness, free, consciousness free flowing, where you don't have to be specific in the same way, but you are you do have to keep that tonality the whole time. Is there any challenge to that, or is it just just an improv thing? That's our game. Yeah, no, that's that's natural. And 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 actually, it's interesting. It took some time and. It, and the thing that I landed on was the guy that kind of sounds like this and is super mellow and, and just will, will ask questions very obtusely and be, you know, just kind of, you know, that character took a while. And it was actually the the episode we did with, with Kyle Kinane mm -hmm. where... I realized I could be in a counterpoint to his style, who's very, you know, earthy, and, just, and I, I could just, and, and it, we we played very well after that, and I realized that worked, and so I, I kept with that. And then the Robert Siegel is the other character that I do, yep. um, and he's that's somebody that literally like the story behind him is that I, I first found NPR. After after nine eleven, because mm -hmm. I was driving across the country, I was picked up a friend in New York, mm -hmm. and we drove back across the country, sort of zigzagged across, and had this crazy road trip, and we were terrified the whole time. And so I was, I would listen to local news, and that was no help at all. Uh, but NPR was the one that I could follow from market to market as I drove across mm -hmm. the country, and they always had like nice and super fucking mellow news, mm -hmm. and uh, and then it was I real like Robert Siegel would talk like all things considered would come on. And then I would just start talking along with him and realize, like, oh, I could do this voice. And, uh, and it, it, made, uh, it made everything better. And it's just a bit of weird skill I've had ever since. It's great, though. I was, I've tried for years to nail that down. And then when I saw the video the, uh, for, for the web series, the, the, uh, the, the, the first one that was posted up, the one with James Urbaniak in it. Well, wait, was that just a trailer? I'm sorry. No, no that was, uh, that was episode one of the yeah, web series. Okay. Yeah. I was watching it at work. I apologize. Yeah, I, didn't, no I didn't get to absorb everything except for the fact that I think he actually even mentioned the fact that he, you, you do an amazing Robert Siegel. I'm like, what? Click. Holy shit. It blew my mind. It blew my mind. <laughs> But then there's there's another thing you guys are putting a hell of a lot of work into that web series, so that's a little more specific. Although, I guess you're not parodying anything in particular, except documentary style. I guess. Yeah. Well, what we're parodying there with the web series is because This American Life had a uh, Showtime show. They had a television right. show for right. two seasons, mm -hmm. and the most. Great. The most iconic thing out of that was the um, the shot of the guy, a Vira Glass character behind the desk somewhere outside. Yes, and it's like that's amazing. It is and great. so that ran only for two. They only did twelve episodes of that. Yeah, people love that show. It was very highly rated, mm -hmm. but they just wanted to focus on the radio show. Yeah. So um, there is, a, turns out, a market for fake public radio <laughs> and <laughs> more things that look like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a really great show. As much as that shot reminds me of. Uh, Monty Python, uh, you know, I, I, which I think actually lends itself to making what you're doing, uh, you know, even more uh, recognizable. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, are you? I mean, that's something that's obviously a little more strictly scripted. Um, do you want to talk about it at all, or I mean, how many? Oh, the episodes? web series. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. We're right in the middle of it right now. First one just came out, um, so it's a five-episode run for this uh, series. Mm -hmm. um, Fremantle uh, Media is uh, producing it with us, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we've got some amazing stars. Basically, that that first episode, we went behind the scenes of public radio. Mm -hmm. For the other four, we're investigating various YouTube trends. Great. Uh, so there's going to be our next one is going to be on uh, Reply Girls. So last year there were girls that would. 
like reply to popular videos of just them and their low cut tops mm-hmm. and would just rack up all these hits and would yeah. make a living for a while until they fixed the algorithm so uh-huh. we explore um, who some of those girls uh, might be mm-hmm. um, uh, Rachel Bloom is in that episode awesome. um, Julie Klausner is, and Natasha Vargas Cooper in our next one number three on cat videos mm-hmm. so we explore uh, the nature of internet cat videos uh, our haul videos uh, is number four uh, and those are I don't know if you know about haul videos but these are the okay this is another thing that I actually didn't know about either but uh, they bring these uh, uh, people just bring their shopping bags home like young ladies and they empty their shopping bags in front of their webcam and they show all the shit they got and millions of hits and companies are sponsoring them to show off their hauls uh, and so for this one, we got um, variations on a theme. So we uh-huh. got Sarah Benincasa, Jordan Morris, and Dana Snyder to all uh, have um, uh, various <laughs> various things that they'll unload, and mm-hmm. they will surprise you and delight you. Um, and then our last episode, uh, we find out what's up with the kids and their dubsteps. Um, <laughs> and so uh, we have the brilliant Thomas Middleditch on that one, oh, who um, uh, has a character named Drillbit, mm-hmm. who is an acapella dubstep wonderkind. <laughs> Um, Jenny Haddad Tompkins plays his agent. Uh, the guys from Tremendousor play his biggest fans. Uh, and uh, Adam Spiegelman plays um, a music critic in that. And that is just a brilliant um, uh, group of people. That's exciting. So, and that's season one, and we'll see where it goes from there. So good. I, I, I'm glad to see more art going into web series now that it's, it's becoming, people are understanding how legit it is. Um, the, did you, so... I'm assuming Weird Al's obviously not the first comedy you listened to, but it was it the first comedy you bought? Uh, it must have been. I mean, these were these albums were bought for me. I didn't have any money at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I just had to. My job was to be a good student, and if I was good, I could get the things that I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so I would get these albums. I guess prior to that, uh, you know, I, I feel like I had some. Um, I feel like I had some Disney albums mm-hmm. that may have had some comedy on them. Yeah. Some books. Uh, some books where you you turn you hear the bell sure. and you turn the page. Sure. Those were early influences. <laughs> um, you know, certainly, like, Bill Cosby himself was, although I dig, that was more of a video thing, uh, I, that was, like, HBO. Mm-hmm. I don't, uh, it was only later that I got into, like, George Carlin. Well, actually, Cheech and Chong's greatest hit, uh-huh. I heard probably too young, uh, uh-huh. but um, loved it. Uh, Did you get, I, oh, I want to ask, because I know myself, I didn't yeah. get half the references. Oh, didn't get it, like, and that's you know, the thing, like, the I had no idea. Great. It was like, oh, they're just being silly. Right, 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 right. <laughs> None of the references made it. I pretended, of course. I pretended, oh, of course. I know what a lid is. Sure, why not? I'll laugh at the word lid. I, it sounds like it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. Dave doesn't know that he's not because he, he's a goofball. He's just being a, a dip. <laughs> did, did your was your family a comedy listening to watching to family? Were they a funny family or? If, Pretty funny, yeah. yeah. And my dad certainly had um, uh, a sense of humor. He had, you know, some comedy albums, mm-hmm. um, and so he would turn us on to stuff. Um, yeah. So I, I didn't have a, a robust uh, comedy education, but the things that I found, I latched onto and like really absorbed. Yeah. Did you do you know when you first realized that this was going to be something you would pursue, or just or academically were you going down a different path for a while? Early. I mean, I knew I was going to be an astronaut until about the age of five. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think uh, like I did my first play when I was six mm-hmm. and then I just like once I hit age 12 I was always constantly like in the performing arts and doing plays and, yeah. and things and I, 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 I tried the sporting life briefly mm-hmm. I mean 
I'm glad for people that can do that sort of thing. It didn't didn't matter to me whether I won or lost. Didn't care. Sure. Uh, but um, yeah, this was the this I knew early on that this would be the thing that I would want to devote my energy to. Yeah, specifically comedy. Do you know when that hit? Um, I guess well, late actually. Yeah. That I thought that I might want to do it professionally. It was. It was actually, I was like thirty years old uh-huh. when Shit. I went because I had done like straight theater and sure. it always been a- amateurishly funny, mm-hmm. but I had never really studied it. Um, but it was right around the time that I started working with uh, improvisers more. Sure. And then I saw the Paul F. Tompkins show at Largo, and yeah. I literally enrolled in a UCB class the next day. Of like, That's I have awesome. to, I have to give this a try. That's so good. Yeah. So you, you you didn't really find yourself examining it in the same way until you went out of your way to have to. To examine it yeah 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 it was always a dream mm-hmm. and i just for whatever reason waited a long time sure, sure. but I, i'm making up for it yes, yeah, of course of course <laughs> um i'm trying to think the um I, again i don't want to get totally off the track because this this is a this is a great album um are there any other you know it's a cult film were there any other films around the same time that hit you in the same way at all or is this this one that's just still too near and dear to your heart to be oh yeah and you know this is by no means a great film sure it's not a you know but it still works and Mm -hmm. it's still funny and I watched it not long ago maybe a couple years ago Mm -hmm. and it still cracked me up Mm -hmm. Um, there were some very clever parodies especially like the movie trailer stuff like it was really good um yeah, I mean, I'm trying to remember, like myself at that time, and it, you know, my myself and especially my brother, like we were the kind of people that like, you know, we would watch movies and then they would just watch them over and over. So mm-hmm. like the airplane movies sure. were, you know, ones that top secret, you know, memorized. Yeah. Um, you know those that kind of humor, yeah. the high anxiety, uh, the other Mel Brooks movies, sure. like yeah, those were those were big old influences. There's just one place to go for all your spatula needs. Spatula City! Spatula City! A giant warehouse of spatulas for every occasion. Thousands to choose from in every shape, size, and color. And because we eliminate the middleman, we can sell all our spatulas factory direct to you. Where do you go when you want to buy name brand spatulas at a fraction of retail cost? Spatula City! Spatula City! And this weekend only, take advantage of our special liquidation sale. Buy nine spatulas, get the tenth one for just one penny. Were they specifically from you and your siblings, or did your parents throw any of those your way too? No, I think they definitely like guide us. Like, this is a movie you're gonna want to watch. Yeah. Like, we think we watch this, and we would like to recommend it to you. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's good. I, I love when parents support that stuff. Did they? So they must have been pretty supportive of a, of a kid wanting to be in the arts if you're doing that stuff starting from twelve. Yes. Oh my God, I just remembered something. I totally forgot about this, and and my mom was kind enough to remind me of this um, a few days ago when. We had just moved to California. Mm-hmm. The year was 1987. Mm-hmm. And um, we were going to do this church that was in town. We were church-going folk. And they were having a talent show. Uh-huh. So um, we, had, we knew exactly what we wanted to do. So uh, my brother and I got up on the stage, got two microphones. They were not connected to anything. We were, you know, lip-syncing along, Millie Vanilli uh, style, mm-hmm. with uh, Huey Lewis's uh, parody. Uh, we put duck noses on, and we sang I Want a New Duck. <laughs> and I think we won. Maybe we got honorable mention. That's amazing. That's... <laughs> 
Holy crap. Yeah, I think we were nine and six. That's pretty great. Yeah. That's pretty... Did, did you ever find... Uh, this has come up a couple times. Uh, some humor that you didn't know was inappropriate, and then you would repeat in the wrong place, and then discover maybe sometimes this stuff I have to laugh to on my own. I've had people... What My normal co-host, Mike, who hasn't been on in a few episodes, did find himself doing a lot of uh, racial humor, because a lot of the comedians he listened to were black. Oh, yeah. Out in public. But he's a white kid growing up in upstate New York. Now, none of them noticed that it was inappropriate, but then growing up later, he realized, oh, God, I really shouldn't be saying these jokes out in public. <laughs> I'm just curious, because sometimes you have to learn those boundaries as a comedian, at least those kinds of boundaries. Yes. You know, did you ever have any experiences like that? None that leap immediately to mind. I mean, mm -hmm. there were definitely, like, like certainly, like, with the drug references, yeah. I don't. So if I did if I did any Cheech and Chong bits, mm -hmm. uh, f like, like replayed them for others, it would have been unknowingly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that would probably be the one. Sure. Um, so, let's see here. Let me... Let's pull up the track listing again, because I want to make sure that we we don't forget yeah. anything. Um, I will say, you know, this is a brilliant album. There's some uh, forgettable tracks. I don't mind saying that. Sure. Um, you know, I would say uh, Attack of the Radioactive Hamsters from a Planet Near <laughs> Mars. You know, wasn't different enough from um, uh, the Slime Creatures from Outer Space true. for my taste. That's true. I can see that. I can see that. Um, and there, <sighs> Is Gandhi 2 the only movie clip that's actually on this album? No, no. Uh, it's the Spatula City. Oh, yes. That's and right. Gandhi too, mm -hmm. uh, tri mm -hmm. uh, commercials. Yeah, actually, you know the the track Fun Zone, yeah. which is like a two minute instrumental track, and it is insanely infectiously catchy and oh, fun. Yeah. And he actually starts his shows to this day, um, like lights go down and that song plays, that's right, yeah. and that's what you know starts the show. Much like uh, Metallica has Ecstasy of Gold, mm -hmm. he had Weird Al Yankovic has Fun Zone. <laughs> Have you, when does he do, when you saw him live, uh, like doing the Orange County shows, does he do a full show there too? Like full, like, yeah, full changes? on, full on costume changes, Jesus all that. How the hell does anybody do that's That's a commitment that I can't understand, I guess, yeah, to, to the craft. Do you have you done, have you done live? episodes of your podcast we have we yeah. did yeah we did uh one at meltdown um and then we did a big show at bridgetown oh okay uh yeah where we would do it was part storytelling show and then part uh, all things ill-considered <laughs> that's the other thing too though is that the stories that you're having people tell are really wonderful poignant stories that you're still managing to keep it incredibly funny and light uh is there any do you, do you think about that balance or do you just say give us a story and read it and we'll put it in there i mean is there is there I mean, you're not going to take i assume you're not taking any kind of editorial control over their stories so is it just a matter of having people just put their work on your show or how does it work yeah well it's definitely something i, I think about i mean we sort of have a broad mandate in that um you know this american life you know can their their tone can vary wildly mm -hmm. from episode to episode we always try to keep it at least somewhat funny or, or at least find the humor in dark situations um but we tailor like you know this american life has themes we say we have a bunch of guests and then we try to cobble a theme together right just find like just, i don't know we can book these guests we'll f figure out a show <laughs> but um sometimes it's better than others but um or it makes more sense than others but we really like truly tailor the episode around the guests and, and build um, build it around what they have to offer if it's a story or or an interview or you know comedy so some will be you know very much like just improvised ridiculousness some like will script like I mean we we, we um, 
like the Thrilling Adventure Hour collaboration, that was a very mm-hmm. scripted, you know, affair. We wound up improvising a little bit around it, but mm-hmm. that's that's hard to do with characters that are so sharply written as that. Right. Um, Super Ego was just um, for both of those times were just you know crazy times. Then cut that down to find the best mm-hmm. um, comedy and then others like sometimes we can just have interviews mm-hmm. um, or stories or both you know a combination of those and then it's just adding dramatic music to that for right. the for laughs right does does weird al for you serve as more of a just this is something i enjoy this is inspirational or do you do you find anything is there is there anything that you can draw from as an artist as to how he puts stuff together to how you put your comedy together or is it so disparate from what you're doing given that it's music and not what you do. Yeah, I mean, it's a different genre, but I think our end goal is the same. Like, there's a real... um, It's a great question. There's a real fidelity... To like, it has to sound like the thing that it's it's mimicking, mm-hmm. and and it, I think I've taken that lesson uh, from him. And he's somebody that's listened to and listened to um, what he's what he's parroting and really thinking about the way in which he can put his own stamp on that. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's a Weird Al song versus you know any other parody. Yeah. Because you hear his own unique voice, and you know it may well be about food, not necessarily. Right. You wouldn't be surprised if it was. Sure. Um, you know, it's going to be, uh, he's not going to be, uh, a dick about it. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, but he might make you think about something in a new way. Mm-hmm. Do you, f- uh, obviously you guys don't limit yourself as far as, as language, at least not too much. Are you guys, are you guys just pulling, are you, do you pull, do you find yourself having to pull back just to keep the, the tone or no? I mean, you swear once or twice in an episode. Yeah. Like I don't like to overdo it. I will do it for effect sure. or if the guest, you know, does it, yeah. um, it depends. Like, you know, it, it is for, it's kind of for grown-ups, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. But, um, and, and again, it really depends. Like, there we had a couple of, like, actually really sex-related ones, and I think, like, we took great pains to, like, we're going to talk about sexy stuff in this, sure. you know, more so than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, it's something that I actually definitely um, do take care about because mm-hmm. I, because growing up on Weird Al like he didn't need a whole bunch of dirty stuff to sure. um, you know to get the point across or get a laugh yeah and I've still never heard him even in an interview ever doesn't that barrier never gets broken and I know he's yeah. he I mean to be fair he's got a massive fan base and has for 30 years to keep care of you know he doesn't he can't he can't offend them in that way well at the same time I have to wonder this was going to be my next question for you is is how do you think, and I, this is just going to be conjecture, but how, how do you think he manages to balance keeping an audience, some of which are prob- probably like really uh, sort of religious, I would imagine even some of them, except for some, I don't know if you've ever heard the story, but Paul Shear's mother had him snap uh, 3D in half over, over his knee because of Did the word that? hell in it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so there are a lot of, it's, it's very family-friendly stuff, but I don't know how you balance that and still manage to make stuff that I think is really good social satire. Yeah, and he could still be on the comedy bang bangs and all mm-hmm. that, and he can still, you know, be that alternative thing. But yeah, he's he's keeping, he, you know, he really is careful about that that balance. So mm-hmm. there, I guess, if you stick to your guns long enough, you mm-hmm. just kind of become cool. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Do you is there for you? Is it just? Is it strictly entertaining, or do you find yourself wanting to do anything specifically social satire? Obviously, it sounds like the web series you can gear toward that if you're you're really specifically picking on some 
taking some pieces of pop culture and tearing them apart but yeah. in an interview show maybe not so much i don't know though yeah when when the podcast i mean we didn't know exactly what it was going to be other than a parody but when it really took off and and we had an audience mm-hmm. that's when i said you know we let's make this this is a chance. This mm-hmm. is a chance to talk to people. This is a chance to learn from people. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a chance to have really amazing people on and have them do their thing, and yeah. maybe you'll pick up something, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, we always, from very early on, we looked at the show as as, as a way to um, just have cool people on and showcase them. So one night when my family and I were gathered around the dinner table, I said, kids... Where'd you like to go to? He said, Dad, we want to see the biggest bottle of twine in Minnesota. They picked the biggest bottle of twine in Minnesota. So the very next day we loaded up the car with potato skins and pickled wieners, crossword puzzles, Spider-Man comics, and Mama's homemade rhubarb pie. Pulled out of the driveway and the neighbors, they all A guy holding a sign that said Twine Baller Bust He smelled real bad and he said his name was Bernie I put in a Slim Whitman tape My wife put on a brand new hairnet Kids were in the backseat Jumping up and down Yelling are we there yet And all of us were joined together In one common thought As we rolled down the long and winding Interstate and off 53 to Soda do you at all miss having physical albums to hold on to or is it just a matter of well it's good that i can buy it digitally now and or does that make you forget about it more? well i'll tell you that there was it is something i do think about actually from from fairly often i thought about it recently when i had to lug my cd collection to the ground it's like i I don't miss that part of it Mm -hmm. i like the idea like in some sense like i love um the uh mobility or the you know the the here's what i love you can you have everything at your fingertips now it's everything is searchable everything is right there what I kind of miss is the personal connection is the album length connection that you had to things. Mm -hmm. The fact that you don't have a lot of options right now. (laughs) This is the album that you got Mm -hmm. with your allowance money. And this is going to last you for a while. You better get used to it, Mm -hmm. you know, and and then you find the hidden depths and things. You can truly study um, things. So the albums that I did have, um, I knew back and forth, yeah, and that they truly influenced me because I didn't have to flit on to the next, you know, video or, or the next website. Um, so it demanded a certain kind of um, focus and attention that I'm not sure everybody's getting now or has that kind of background, yeah. which I think is important to have. Do you have anything now that is sticking with you in that same way, or because it's digital, is it harder for you to keep? with one thing for an extended period it's really hard i don't listen to a lot of new music Mm -hmm. and um yeah like i listen to a lot of podcasts sure but uh yeah not not a ton yeah podcasts are kind of the new outlet for this but the problem again is people have to do a new episode every week 
you know, most people. I mean, you do you do the monthly now, right? Yeah, we had we did biweekly forever, mm-hmm. and then once I started producing a lot of other shows and then doing the web series, sure. I was like, I have to. This has to be monthly. Of course, of yeah. course. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the other thing too is, is keeping it fresh on a week by week basis. I, I feel I don't know how it's not putting a strain on the quote unquote comedy community more. Like you know, I don't I don't understand how there's so many people like Scott Ackerman putting out a weekly funny comedy show every week. You yeah. know, I don't know how they're doing. I still don't know how they do it thrilling adventure hour every month i don't know how that's even possible just because the amount of work i can tell that they're putting into it you know they're constantly tweeting about i'm working on this i'm working on this i'm working on this um so i think some some shows you can have more appreciation for but again they're still ethereal because they're just out there in the internet um i don't know what where i was going with that but at least you've got at the end of the day you you yourself are going to have 12 episodes at the end of a year to look back on do you do you go back and, and re-listen to them or i will occasionally i mean i'm i'm somebody who very much pays attention and listens and tries to learn um from things so i will always go and certainly like for a show like this american wife which we really create and produce and and, and labor over yeah I'll go back and listen to see how it plays or see if, like, this is what I was going for. Does this come across? Or mm-hmm. now that I have some time and distance from it, yeah, there are certain episodes I'll go back to mm-hmm. just to, or just to sample. Um, yeah, I, I do because I like to um, I like to listen. Sure, sure. Yeah. Are there um, – do you have uh, – so you're doing one season of five episodes of this web series. Is there a plan for a, a, a second? I mean, are, are you hoping to keep doing this as a regular thing? I think so. I mean, we, we certainly, like, in this one, um, I and here's the thing about me is that, like, I had a VHS camcorder when I was 11, mm-hmm. and so I was always making videos. This yeah. is the first big web. I've done other little ones. This sure. is the first big web series I've done. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, like, there was a, a learning curve, mm-hmm. but... Um, I really liked it, yeah. and now I've got the infrastructure in place, so I'd be thrilled to do more. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not be surprised if we did more, yeah. um, and certainly other things coming up down the way. But um, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's uh, that that is one thing is is that the production quality. You know, not a lot of podcasts are necessarily. A lot of them are just knocked out, like this one, week to week. I just I do yeah, you put clips in? I do put clips in, but I you've got original music in yours. Uh, I mean, I know you've got you do have clips from popular songs, but you do have. Uh, is it just one person who does the music for your podcast? We um, well, what we do is we uh, there's there's sort of the this and we sort of follow the the public radio model of that. You'll hear you know little bits, mm-hmm. you know, um, just in terms of like fair use. You'll he- you'll hear a little bit, and then we don't play anything by itself. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, but we have the songs that um, you'll hear on This American Life that you'll mm-hmm. hear on public radio mm-hmm. uh, for the web series itself. Um, uh, my dear friend, uh, and he's a brilliant composer, um, Christopher. Hogue did the did the music for the web series and okay. that's all original music. That's awesome. It's amazing. That's so good. Yeah, it, it's I guess it's nice uh, to see another podcast go to the video medium and still manage to keep it together and also keep the quality up because I think it's hard. I, again, like I said, you put something out that kind of quality every month, um, you know, I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, no worries. Actually, I have a question for you. What, what is your yeah. favorite Weird Al song? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, that's some pressure. Or our favorite. Mm, it's going to be off of 3D. Okay. You know, it might be Nature Trail to Hell. That's because, such a great song. Because I have a lot of great memories for it, uh, with it. Uh, because, like, I listened to that. I listened to 
uh, in 3D and uh, Greatest Hit with my best friend, and those are the two things that were probably on cycle the most. We had, uh, yeah, I think I think that's it. I want I probably Nature Trail to Hell. Yeah, and I don't think he got in trouble for that. I don't think he, he did get in, tr- in trouble for a lot of stuff and us swearing out loud and he had a very crazy stepmother. Yeah. And now you're bringing me back. This is good. Now you're interviewing me. This is nice. Uh, but yeah, no, I think Nature Trail to Hell is probably my favorite. Probably my favorite because I wasn't allowed to watch horror movies. So imagining that. Was... So that's what the horror movies must have been like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I, uh, do you uh, do you have any musical? Do you do anything musical out of curiosity? Or you... Here's the thing about that. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, grew, well, I grew up doing musical theater. Mm-hmm. So I, I always did voice, but I never really learned an instrument. Okay. Um, and then, uh, this is also when... I, so the, a lot of things happened when I turned 30 and I realized I needed more skills in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... Uh, realized that I had gotten so good at Guitar Hero that I might as well actually learn how to play the damn thing. Mm-hmm. So I did um, uh, did learn how to play the guitar um, awesome. and then took lessons for a few years and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm okay at it. I That's know how awesome. to play it. Are you, is it. But is it a thing just for you? Yeah, it's definitely, like it was something that I was thinking about, like am I ever going to, and no, this is going to be a hobby. Mm-hmm. I, I think anybody though, I feel, I, I don't know how anybody can grow up knowing Weird Al and his 30 year, of, his 30 year catalog and feel like they can go parody music like I'm intimidated I can barely play the guitar I can sing every time I get the idea to do a parody I get freaked out like I just I'm going to compare myself to Weird Al instantly yeah um let's uh let, let me make sure that you get the chance to plug everything um sure so why don't you plug actually you know first let's first let's say if nobody's heard this album before why would you recommend it to them I always ask I would recommend it. It is a it is a great companion piece to the movie. Mm-hmm. The movie itself is worth seeing. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael Richards is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some very funny bits, some great uh, TV parodies, uh, some great movie parodies. It's just a really fun movie. Um, and the album has some great songs in it. You will laugh. Um, it it shows you it is a window it is a transition from the 80s to the 90s mm-hmm. it, it takes you into that brave new world as evinced by the appearance of uh, rap music that's true yeah so you hear that uh, in its embryonic state and um, yeah it is uh, it is a fascinating document and uh, and an incredible ancillary piece of detritus that is attached to a major motion picture um, I'm underselling it considerably <laughs> it's an awesome album I loved it. I listened to it a million times yeah. when I was a kid yeah and I'm sorry did you say you had this one on vinyl or no did you have this one on tape? I definitely had it on tape this yeah. may have been the one that I switched from from because I had even worse on record and mm-hmm. then I think this one went to tape even worse might be the best album though that's hard for me that's one of my favorite albums yeah that's a great album yeah I'm, I'm for me the dare to be stupid I'm oh, thinking it might true. be the one that's See, it's, true I'm, it's hard mm-hmm. 3D so good like just right in there mm-hmm. right that 80, 84 to 89 mm-hmm. right in there that's how does it take you to edit an episode of your show? I'm just curious. It depends on who's on it and what yeah. they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's, it's gotten easier because well now I'm now I'm doing um, audiobooks. I'm narrating audiobooks. Oh really? And oh, those cool. are like hours long. Yeah. So now when I go back to an episode, I'm like, oh, pff, this is an hour long. This right. is nothing. Right. Um, it, but it takes you know it takes a while. It takes a bit of work. You see, you're, wait, so you're not just reading the audiobooks? Are you cutting that stuff yourself? It depends. Some oh, I'm producing oh. and editing, and uh-huh. then some I'm just oh providing like clean narration to okay. a company. Yeah. Oh my god. 
but yeah, that's just painful. I can't think. Well, about that. It, it's a very specific um, kind of patience that is required mm-hmm. for it, mm-hmm. and I happen to have it, and I happen to love it. Sure, sure. Um, it's something I've always wanted to do, and I just got into it in the last few months. That's interesting because it's again, it's that same. I assume obsessive attention to detail that makes somebody good at parody. It's, yeah, actually, that's a, it's a fascinating insight. I, 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 You're right. Really? That's the first, per- first person to say that, so thank you. We should just end it there. Somebody just said I had a fascinating insight. Done. <laughs> Do you, let, yeah, let's let's have you plug stuff. Sure. All that stuff. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I will be brief. The, uh, <laughs> Take your time. This American Wife is the... Uh, is the uh, podcast now a web series uh, that show is on the internet so you can find it on iTunes or thisamericanwifepodcast.com uh, I also produce two other shows um, one is called Before You Were Funny mm-hmm. has a regular slot at the uh, UCB and is also a, uh, a podcast and um, we uh, interview it's hosted by Justin Michael and J- Jacob Reed they're aka Tremendousaur they interview people about their and, and it's a blind table read of their early sketches thus before you were funny that's awesome but it's also expanded um to include uh stand-up and other things so we had like uh at our last year our ucb show in january we had rob delaney read his uh, like very first stand-up jokes um so it's a fascinating process everybody starts off bad it's very important to know this Mm -hmm. um so before you're funny and then um i also am a part of a show called true tales of lust and love it's a storytelling show Mm -hmm. it's an all lady storytelling show um that i co-host uh and co-produce with anna david um author anna david we have a monthly show at the mint which is also a podcast like i say it's all ladies uh like for example janet varney jackie cation we just had uh on our last show uh, this last weekend there is going to be an all dude show Mm -hmm. in june um where just the just the fellas will be telling a story um and i'm happy to plug that one because uh, myself um paul f Tompkins, brian finkelstein will be uh telling stories in that show so um check that out if you're in the los angeles area and if you're not listen to the podcast of course how about twitter all that good stuff i'm on the twitter you mm-hmm. can find me there uh eric one martin uh eric the number one martin uh we're also this a mayor wife um uh, on the twits mm-hmm. um you can find me at audible.com mm-hmm. check out my books if you're not bored by my voice yet <laughs> and uh yeah awesome. all those things thank you so much for doing this this is a pleasure for doing this at a late night and dealing with my late night brain farts i apologize <laughs> i had a late show where i was drinking so that i we can say that pretend that's what explains it yeah i had a long day and mm-hmm. this is a perfect wind down this was a delight okay good good well everybody thank you for listening and as always have a good thing Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, rate us highly, and write your reviews. You can follow us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl and Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl.